Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. Welcome back, lady. So excited for you to hang out for a little bit today. And episodes like this give me chills when I record them. And I can't wait for your feedback and when you get to hear. My guest today is pretty amazing. When we talk about having a firm mindset, having an outlook on life that is positive, when we talk about you get to choose how you take on a situation, this are the lessons that we need to learn from my guest, Jenny Steffes, today. Jenny crossed my path in a by chance meeting a few months back and I was so drawn by her energy, so drawn by her emotion, so drawn by her spirit and her smile. And then I spoke with her and learned what pieces of her story were, what the struggles that she was going through. And I never, ever could even begin to imagine In April of this year, Jenny was diagnosed with a brain tumor. She had brain cancer. And moments before that, she was living a happy, joy-filled, normal life. And in those instances, her story completely shifted. It totally took a tailspin on in a way that nobody ever could imagine. And Jenny shares very open and honestly what this story was like, but that this is just a piece. And by owning her mindset, by stepping into knowing that she has control over her emotions and truly the only thing she can control are her emotions and her thoughts and her feelings and her actions. She's so inspiring. If I could be a tenth of the woman that Jenny is, my I, I, I would be complete. I would be so... It just, you'll, you'll get it. You'll see why I'm stammering because I don't even have words for the power that this woman brings. So enjoy all of the powerful wisdom that Jenny's going to share with you today. Welcome back, everybody. I am, as always, so grateful that you are here and part of the journey, part of this podcast. My guest today, Jenny, is such a ray of light, and I can't wait for you guys to find out a little bit more about her and hear something that... We haven't heard shared yet on the podcast and we've kind of gotten away from stories, just pure stories, stories of women and stories of people that we come across and Jenny pretty much fits the bill for fit and fear. So she's a good, good story to have on here today. So welcome. Thank you so much, Jenny, for being a part of this. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for inviting me. It was such an honor. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit more about you? Okay. Well, like Megan said, my name is Jenny. I live here in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, And I don't know if you want me to go into how we met, but it was kind of a chance meeting. It was. And um, we were at a women's inspiration 
event and you were speaking and I was a guest and, um, it was one of the day, it was a feel good day. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But, um, when we got there, we were able to put our name in the drawing for multiple different, there was different gifts and giveaways. And, um, on a piece of paper was all was all that was written. And I still have it actually. It just says one-on-one with Megan. And the event had not even started yet. So I didn't even know who Megan was, but I love meeting new people. And, um, the last, I'll talk a little bit about the last, since last April of last year, how much our life has changed, but I've met so many new people and I've been inspired and I've learned so much by kind of stepping out of my comfort zone and, um, learning other people's stories as well as sharing my story. And so I was like, I am going to put, I mean, there was all kinds of different like material things. And I decided to put my name in the one-on-one with Megan and, um, Then after the event, after I heard you speak, Megan, which was incredible, I was like super excited. (laughs) I was like, thank you. No, I know I want this one-on-one with Megan. And, um, and I won and it literally, my friend Renee looked at me and said, this was a God thing. Cause it just felt like it, and it's still today. It just feels like that was all meant to be the way that it was. Um, and so you and I had a one-on-one session in full was incredible. And I was launching my own podcast and trying to get my story out, but also feeling kind of lost at how to do that. And you helped me a lot with that. Um, and so that's how we got to where we are today and us chatting, but a little bit about me. Um, I will be turning 40 in 14 days. So soon. So the big Happy four- early oh, birthday. Thank you. And actually, and, ooh, this will yeah. be like prime time before the podcast airs. So yeah, everybody right, send right. those happy birthday vibes to Jenny. Happy January 40th birthday. 15th, we'll celebrate so, today. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, um, I, got, I don't know, because of where life is right now, I don't have a huge feeling or emotional attachment to turning 40 other than getting older is really exciting for me right now with everything going on in our life. So I'm embracing 40. I'm super excited for it. Although it will be yet another, like you and I were chatting about before we started recording. Um, it's a low key year or we were low key over the holidays and it'll be a low key birthday, but that's okay. Um, so I'm a mom, I have four kids. I'm married to the most amazing man. And I, um, ran an in-home, I was in the corporate world for many, many years. And then we found out we we're having twins. So I um, decided to open an in-home daycare. So I ran an in-home daycare for over eight years. And then once my children were in all in school full time and I was home, um, kind of felt trapped at home. I really wanted to do something different. So I wrapped up the in-home daycare and I started a part-time job cleaning houses, which had me out of the house, super active. Um, I have a side hustle. So I was selling a nutritional a nutritional supplement. I've been doing that for over five years and that had become my full-time income. And so I had two very flexible sources of income. Um, Time felt like it was at my fingertips. I felt like I was in control. I was volunteering at my kids' school and kind of running a couple different programs there. I was enjoying Fridays at home alone, doing whatever I needed to do before the weekend and before my kids were home for the weekend. 
um, I was doing CrossFit. So I was going to the gym every morning at nine with one of my best friends. And that felt amazing. And just life was just really good. Like I really, really was happy with where things were. We went um, from 2018 into 2019, just really excited and happy and um, loving life and ready to kick off, you know, just all these things. It was just all these good things. Kids were good. And um, April 7th of 2019, so just entering the fourth month of the new year, the year was still new. Um, I ended up being taken to the ER for, I started having uh, grand mal seizures here at home, totally out of the blue, like never had a seizure disorder, never had anything of the sort happen to me. Um, I had two fingers on my right hand that had gone numb and kind of tingly for a few months, um, kind of on and off, but I ignored it. I was like, well, I'm approaching 40 and I'm cleaning houses and I'm working out. It's probably a pinched nerve. So I visited the chiropractor a few times. And um, after we were in the ER, and of course, because of the, I had had three major seizures throughout the day, um, they did an MRI and it was close to midnight, I believe. My memories are really scarce from this time, but my husband, of course, you know, we talk about it quite a bit, but, um, my recollection of it is that it was pretty late. It was close to midnight and the doctor came in and I was of course in and out of sleeping. I was exhausted and told my husband that they found a mass on my brain and, um, totally (laughs) mind numbing, literally just a shock to us. And, um, every, I mean, April 7th, our whole world, our whole story, everything took a whole twist. And um, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so it was life came to a screeching halt. (laughs) And um, that became our focus. And so that's kind of where my, my story, I guess, starts. Um, or the big part of my story, you know, (laughs) the plot twist, I guess. And I don't know if you want me to keep going or if you have some questions, but that was kind of the game changer of 2019. I think that, um, just to totally backtrack, I just want to say like, this is one of the joys and the privileges that I get to be able to do when I speak. And when I work with women are like these truly by chance meetings. And I totally agree, Jenny, this It was a meant to be meeting. When I met you that day, I had no idea what your story was. You were just this beautiful woman sitting in the row with this gorgeous smile and this really great light around you and this positive energy flow. And so I was really excited. And after the event, kind of hearing more about your story and finding out who you were, like I do truly feel so honored to that you're willing and open to share with us. Um, And I just have to imagine that life almost stops on that day and, mm-hmm. and, but it can't, but you, you have a family, you have kids. Where, where do you even begin and what do you do when it's, you're receiving words that you never could even imagine hearing and then have to pick up life after that? Right. Um, gosh, I don't, it's crazy. And I think that you walk through just like with grief and you walk through the stages of grief with a terrible loss or any kind of loss, I think you do the same thing with a diagnosis like this. Um, In the first, so April 7th was a Sunday. 
And I was told that night I was in the hospital until Tuesday because they were running a bunch of tests and making sure that I was okay before being released. Um, of course, I was put on different medications to make sure I didn't have any more seizures. Um, as a young, busy mom, I was told that I could no longer drive. I had to wait at least three months and have um, seizure-free activity for three months before I could even consider driving again, um, which was crazy for me to process. Um, family came in and out as they were on tests and we were trying to get more information, but truly, um, we didn't know because an MRI can only tell so much. We just knew there was a mass there. Um, we knew it probably wasn't an aggressive growing brain cancer or brain tumor, but they can't rule that out until you have surgery. So we, and I know nothing, I, you know, you know, nothing about this diagnosis or this disease and you just kind of processing and going through the motions. And, um, I then on Wednesday of that week went in and we met with a neurosurgeon and I just kind of assumed we'd go in and they'd say, okay, you have to have brain surgery and we're going to remove this. Mm -hmm. And actually what we were told was, um, the mass is sitting right on your motor strip. It's sitting on the left side of my brain, which is why my right fingers had gone numb months before. Um, and they said it's sitting in such a place that it's just too risky to go in and do surgery. Um, we don't want to risk paralysis to your arm or to your leg um, on that right side. Um, and then they mentioned that it's also sitting super close to the function of my mouth. So eating, talking, feeding myself, all of those things could be affected. And that was the big no way. Like you can... If I, if worst case was I lost use of my right arm or something, you know, you would manage, but I mean, I love to talk <laughs> and I have a story to share. And so that just wasn't even an option. And so instead of doing surgery to try and resect any of the tumor, it was going in and doing surgery just to get a few biopsies of the tumor so that they could actually diagnose it correctly. So that was Wednesday. Friday, I had brain surgery and they went in and, um, got, they wanted four biopsies. They got six. And then I came home, well, I was in the ICU for, I think two days, um, recovering them from brain surgery. And luckily I did not have, um, some people have quite a bit of side effects from them going in and then there's some inflammation and some irritation and they kind of stir things up. Um, luckily my side effects after surgery weren't terrible, um, it required a couple of weeks of just really, really taking it slow, but, um, we had to wait, um, 13 days. It was 13 days between surgery and going in and getting the actual, okay, here's what you have. I mean, we, to be honest with you, we didn't even know if it was cancer. We didn't know if it was benign or if it was cancer. Um, and then even what the next step would be or what the prognosis was or <laughs> anything. And so my husband and kids went back to work once I was okay to be home alone after I'd gotten out of the hospital. And I sat in my house for 13 days. I mean, people came and went and visited and people showed up for us in such a way. And that's one of my messages as I've shared our story is showing up for others because so many people showed up for us. We had a meal for, I think it was three weeks. We had a meal delivered every night to the point where I asked the gal that was um, a good friend of mine who was kind of lining it all up and scheduling people if we could 
back it away a little bit, you know, and maybe do every other night or every third night because we had so much food. <laughs> we were like, our fridge and our freezers were exploding at the seams. We were not underfed. Um, but those 13 days were the hardest, the longest, the toughest. I had my first panic attack, which I didn't know until after the case um, because it was so scary because it was the unknown. We had no plan. I'm such a planner. And um, we knew nothing other than, you know, this mass was there and we didn't know what it was. So April 25th was the appointment when we met with um, just basic oncology. It wasn't the brain tumor team yet. We met with oncology and they gave us the diagnosis, diagnosis, which was a grade two. And there's um, four levels. And I've learned that with brain tumors, each like a level one to a level two is a pretty big jump. A level two to a three is a huge jump. So even though I was a two, which isn't very far from four, it was actually a very big jump from being a very aggressive tumor, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was a good diagnosis. It was a grade two oligodendroglioma, um, which is the nerve cells in your brain. So I have cancer of the nerve cells that are making too many and created this tumor. And I've had it since 2016, which ironically, we know that because I had food poisoning in 2016. And in the middle of the night had smashed down and hit my bathroom floor. And we had gone into the emergency room for stitches. And they did an MRI just to make sure I didn't break my cheekbone when I fell. And um, the the MRI from 2016 shows just a very light shading on the exact spot that the tumor is. So nothing anybody missed, nothing that they w- should have ever red flagged because it was so subtle, but because we know where to look now and what to compare. It was just starting back then. So I've walked around with it since 2016 with no idea and um, just thought I was healthy and, you know, Living life to the fullest, or so I thought. And um, so we got the diagnosis. We knew it was good. We knew the prognosis was good. And we knew we needed to do something about it. Um, so I did proton six weeks of proton radiation. And I still wasn't driving. So I needed a ride every day because it was Monday through Friday um, for six weeks. And then um, I got a little bit of time off in between because the brain needs some time to heal and recover from radiation. And then we started chemo and I'm three rounds in, I have three rounds of chemo done. I have three more. Um, that's been the toughest chemo is not fun (laughs) at all. And I just, Megan, you and I were just saying, I'm just in the point now where I just had it. Um, I had it November 12th and I was supposed to have it the day after Christmas and I was still not in a good place and my accounts were too low. So I'm supposed to have it this next Tuesday if everything, if my body is ready and if blood counts come back okay. Um, But I even had the discussion with the doctor Christmas Eve. I had an MRI Christmas Eve because I was so sick and they wanted to make sure everything was okay. And it was. The MRI on Christmas Eve was beautiful and things are shrinking and working and chemo's working and um, it it was great news. But um, the doctor also drove home that the chemo is super important because it's working. Getting the last three rounds in is super important as well. But Mayo is just amazing at tweaking things and helping you, you know, we can lower the dose a little bit and we can push the weeks out a little bit And there. They really care about how you function through chemo as well. 
which was so important to me because like you mentioned, as a mom, I mean, life did stop. I'm not working. Um, but my kids are in sports and we have family events and we have holidays and we have birthdays and, um, things that I need to be present for and I need to be functioning for. And, um, that was super important to me when we sat down to come up with a treatment plan that I would not, cause you, but, or somebody really close to you does, you just hear the horror stories and you see the horror stories of chemo, you know, and Mayo really works with you so that it's not that horror story. I slept 30 weekend, 30 hours, excuse me, out of the weekend. And when I shared that with the doctor, he said, okay, that's unacceptable. That's not, now you're not in a place where we want you to be. Being tired is one thing. Being fatigued is another thing. Sleeping for 30 hours at a time is that's then now we need to tweak things. Um, but with all of this in the very beginning, in those 13 days, when I was, um, pleading and using every bargain chip that I had to just tell God that I wanted to be here, that I wanted to live and I wanted to be here to raise my kids. And I wanted to be a grandma someday. Um, my husband and I have always dreamed about being grandparents. I don't know why, because our kids are still young, but, um, we are so excited to be grandparents someday and we already dream about what we want to do with that time. And, um, I just didn't want life to be ripped away. I didn't want my kids to be, to grow up without their mom. And I didn't want my husband to have to do it on his own. And so there was a lot of praying. There was a lot of, um, soul searching. There was a lot of reflection. There was a lot of pleading. Um, and what I found always came to mind or always came to the forefront for me was I will do this. I have no choice. I never felt like why me? Because honestly, why not any of us? I mean, I, I make healthy ish choices. You know, we are not one extreme or the other in our family, as far as being healthy and being active and, and, and that type of thing. Um, I was working out, I was eating healthy ish, but why not me compared to anybody else? You know, we're all, none of us are immune to any kind of diagnosis or tragedy for that matter. Um, and so I just pleaded and said, I will do this. I will walk this journey with grace. I will not question you. I will not be mad or sad. Um, but please give me purpose. Like this has to serve a purpose. I can't just be diagnosed with cancer for no reason. This has to have a, a, a purpose behind it. I need to do something with it. And what I found was um, before we even had the diagnosis, before we even knew what the plan was or what I'd be doing for treatment or how terrible or tolerable it would be, I had people reaching out asking me if I would mm -hmm. share my story live on stage for, that sounds crazy, but like speaking in front of groups. And um, my first response, when the very first person reached out and said, would you share your story at this event we're holding to raise money for cancer was, are you crazy? Like, I, and it was a few months out and I thought, I don't, I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. I have, I have no idea. And then, so they, I asked if I could have a few days to think about it because I wasn't, how am I going to be feeling? Will I even be, a, be able to get out of bed? And, um, 
the gal on the other end of the message said, of course, take your time. I just need to know, you know, within a week or whatever. And I remember one day I was walking through my kitchen myself. I remember it so vividly and like a light bulb turned on. And I thought, Jenny, you just sat and prayed for all of this. Like for days you pleaded that if this had to be your journey, there'd be purpose behind it. And you just got asked to share your story. And now you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like it was just a, a light bulb moment. And so I have shared our story on stage a couple different times through the summer at a couple different events. Um, all, of course, raising money for cancer research or, or different, um, different organizations. I have um, another one. I'm speaking at the Eagles Cancer Telethon at the kickoff event on Friday and um, live on either Saturday or Sunday. I'm not too sure. I'm speaking at a gala up in, Febu in, up in the cities in February. Um, I've done a couple different podcasts as well as starting my own podcast. And sharing other people's stories has become super important to me, not just about cancer, but just the struggles that we all walk. I have learned and met so many people who have walked through so many journeys that were so tough and so mucky and so dark. And they've come out on the other end, just this whole new, beautiful, like you said, a ray of light. And I love meeting people like that. And I love um, when we all come together and share our stories. I think agree. it can be so inspiring to somebody completely we may not agree. even ever meet face to face. And yeah, so I've, I, I know I've been talking forever, but I just, even for you, when you reached out and said, would you um, share your story on my podcast? I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I just felt so honored, but it just, um, it feels like it gives it purpose to share it with somebody, you know, whether your, whether your struggle is cancer or a divorce or, you know, a loss, whatever it may be, we have tried really, really hard to find our family has tried really, really hard to find the joy in the good in each day, even the little things. Um, and really trying well, and as that corny really as it sounds living our life to actually be able to, to say, the fullest. you did that from day one to just say, it just floors me when you can honestly sit and say you weren't, why not me? Because you have every right to say that you have every right to be in that place, but you chose to take it in a different path. And that's just this amazing quality that you have about you and this legacy that you are showing your audience with your podcast, the people who you speak to, and of course your family that we always do have that choice of how we're going to take and make a situation, even in the most hardest, most unimaginable of times. It's still kind of one thing that we have power over. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to be super real and vulnerable because there have been really tough days and there's been, um, and I, I share a lot on Facebook. I have a caring bridge and I really try to share it all, not just the, yay, we've got this. We've got good news. I have joy in my heart. And, you know, I just, I really try and be real and vulnerable. And there have been days where I, um, I had a day I posted, I just can't because that's how I felt that day. I didn't feel like I could do this anymore. It was one of the really bad, I can't get out. I haven't gotten out of bed for a few days because I'm so sick. Um, and, um, 
I mean, that's the, I want to share the real and the struggle in it as well, because I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm fake or that I'm not being honest or that I'm doing something different than anybody else could do. But it is a decision. There was a day where I was really struggling. I I was really struggling and I was driving home from somewhere. I now can drive again. Thankfully, I've not had any seizures since those seizures, April 7th. Um, But I, um, I was driving home and I just had this moment. I can't remember exactly if a song came on or it was just a moment where it hit me where I was like, okay, turn it around, like change your mindset stop this right now because I was coming home and I knew that the kids would be coming home from school shortly after I got home. And I didn't want that night to be a night of mom's in a bad mood. And, you know, we don't know why. And it's really because I'm feeling sorry for myself, you know? So I do, I have taught myself to be, and it is a conscious effort each and every day. I think no matter what you're, even if it's just normal life and you're not going through something major, we all have bad days and that's okay. But I think if you can catch yourself and say, okay, you know, stop it for a second. Let's get back on track. You know, whatever just happened upset me, but will it even bother me tomorrow? Or I can do this. And I just have to go back and remind myself that I've gotten good news all along the way. And yes, today is a bad day, but we've got this. Um, And it helps that I mentioned people showing up. And my big message, and I think it's so important for people to show up for people. The world is so good. Rochester, Minnesota is so good. We are surrounded by neighbors and a community of people who really just want to help other people. And as hard as it is as a woman and a mom and a wife to ask other people for help, because we're always the ones that do it all and we just do it right. And people may not notice and our family may not notice, but that's our job. Um, It's hard to step back and to say, I need help with this today, or I need help with this this week or, um, but when you do that, you open up the door for really good people to show up and help you. And we had, we have a tribe, but behind us of hundred, I, I don't even know. So many people have showed up in so many different ways to support us and to help us. And to, you know, it might be saying a prayer from us. It might be a card we received. It might be making a meal. Um, no matter what it is, every time somebody shows up, it just gives us that little ray of light or that little ray of hope. And so our family has talked a ton about how we can show up for other people. And right now we can't do as much as what we want to just because mom's the leader. Right. But, um, we just, my son and I, who's six, my son is 16. We just did a podcast together on new year's Eve and we talked a little bit about that and, um, we want to pay it forward. And I hope that my kids, because this is part of their childhood. And at first I was kind of like, this stinks that this is part of their childhood watching mom be sick. But now I look at it like, this is so awesome that this is part of their childhood because so many people have showed up for us that my kids hopefully will someday as adults show up for other people, even if it's in the smallest of ways, you know, sending a text message because you crossed my mind and I just wanted to say, I hope you have a great day. And if we don't ignore those nudges and if we show up for people a little bit every day, I think it's just the only way we can change the world. world. I think it can change lives just to be there. We can't always have an answer or a fix. Mm -hmm. 
but that support just is so, so important. It is. And it can be so simple. I mean, we don't have to do these big grandiose gestures. You don't have to donate hundreds of dollars to somebody or something or some organization, but you can buy the ticket and show up to a women's event that somebody's hosting for the first time, or you can, you know, $5 goes a long way, or you can send that text message just to say, I'm thinking about you today or a card in the mail. I mean, I, we've received so every day, almost we receive, I'll call it snail mail. And there's always, I mean, for so many years, we just got junk mail and bills <laughs> and Christmas cards at Christmas, you know? And now still every once in a while we get a card in the mail of somebody literally just saying, you're on my mind. I'm thinking about you. You got this. You're a warrior. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love every day. I love getting the mail every single day still. And, um, I think that's a lost art, but I think it's so cool. And it's one that I've tried to get back into like sending thank you cards or a thinking of you card. Um, the because it's so much fun to get something that like that versus to see or have. You know, junk mail and bills that we just toss. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. I don't know if there's anything else you want me to dive into, but um, it's been quite the journey. And, um, you know, like I said, we've had our struggles. We've had our bad days. We've had our good days. Um, but we really just want to keep sharing and um, want people to know that you can, anybody can do it. And now I'm surrounded by people who are walking even greater journeys than mine, maybe tougher or, uh, you know, a worse diagnosis maybe. And they inspire me because I see them and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so much more positive than I am. So I need to, I need to work on that every day um, because this is still the only life I get. I don't get another chance. This is my life and this is my story. And for whatever reason, this is my story to share. And um, I don't get to change yeah. it. What a beautiful <laughs> And I don't get to redo it. To share. So I certainly don't want to waste it. I am always interested to know, how do you balance actually feeling your feelings, those bad days, those tough days? But like you had said, I was driving home and I was having a really bad day, but I knew my kids would be home. So I had to displace that. Do you then at some point in time carve out time to have feelings that you need to feel? Or is it just right now, do what you need to do and take care of it when that needs to be taken care of down the road? Yeah. That's a really good question. And I don't know if I know the answer, <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it helps that um, my family is I'm home during the day and there's most of the month I do have to take a nap. So most usually even after a, you know, eight to 10 hour night sleep, I usually there's about one week out of each eight weeks, which is a, about a chemo round where I actually can make it through the day and still stay up till a de decent time. But um, I have recognized that during the day when I'm home alone um, is kind of that time to deal, whether it's reading. Well, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a reader. I've never been a good reader. So when that light bulb went off and I was like, you know, all these people are doing self-development and self-growth and I love that, but 
can't sit and read a book because I can't stay focused. I found Audible. Like Audible and podcasts were a game changer for me. And so I try and do something every day. Now it's harder on the weekends or harder when the kids are home on break. But if it's during a normal week when the kids are at school and my husband is at work, every day to feed my mind something uplifting or positive or something for growth. Um, I want to make sure I'm still using my brain as much as I can as well. Um, it might be working on content for my own podcast. It might be, um, you know, listening to another podcast or working on getting through an audible book. But I think that because I had started listening to personal development, personal growth, when I started my home cleaning business, cause I could plug in my earphones, you know, my, my wireless headphones and I could turn a book on and then I could clean a house and I could listen to a couple books a week. And I started that probably a good six months before we found out probably a good, well, maybe even closer to a year, um, of doing that before our diagnosis. So I was already in that habit, which I think was huge for how I accepted the diagnosis in the beginning. I think if I would have got it a year earlier, I don't know. Cause I didn't have that mindset of, okay, I've got control over this. That's becomes words where, you know, all of those things um, that we are in control. And so I've learned, I think, through that to catch myself in those moments. Not always. I'm not always very good at it. Um, but I'm learning. And if I mess up and I snap at the kids, even though they're doing normal kid things or it's a me thing and not a them thing, um, I have no pride issues with apologizing to my family. Um, usually the next day, probably not right in the heat of the moment, but apologizing and then learning next time to, you know, what are the triggers or what can I do different? And sometimes it's as simple as I have to make sure I'm taking care of me and then I get that nap in during the day. So that by the time they get home, my brain has a fresh start because I can get overstimulated. It's, it's learning my limitations too, because I just want to be the normal person I've always been, but it's learning and accepting I'm not right now. And I may never be fully a hundred percent what I was, you know, but I have, um, that hope that I will get there. This is temporary. We'll get there, but I have to keep myself in check for sure. And I have to do things for myself, like you said. And I know for me, it's either napping or listening and putting something in that isn't just a Netflix drama series, (laughs) you know? I have to feel like I've done something for myself for growth and knowledge. And, um, you know, that I, and that might be why when I saw that card that said one-on-one with Megan, maybe that's what attracted me so much right away without even knowing who Megan was. I didn't even know who you were in the room at that point. Um, because I knew it was something, you know, one-on-one means, a creative and, and learning and self-development and, and that right and, away. I was and like, yep, a I really bold thing that for all of that us. right now. For Again, sure. Like you said, as women, or I can only imagine, especially as moms to say like, I am carving out some, some one-on-one time for me in whatever way that looks like, because that actually makes me the person that I need to be to do what I want to do outside of that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, it really boils down to, I mean, my, I have um, a 17, a 16 year old, and then twins who are nine. So they're not babies, but they are all in a phase and in a time where they still need me totally. Um, And my husband's amazing and does so much, but it's, if I have to show up at a wrestling event on, you know, a Friday, Mm -hmm. a Thursday night, I know that Thursday can't be the day. I'm like, okay, I'm going to run a few errands during the day. It's just because the priority for me is taking care of others. Again, that's most of our priorities as women. I think it's always to take care of others, but we really have to, and sometimes it's a diagnosis like this that forces you into slowing down, paying attention. What do I need? What do I need so that I can give to them? And then of course, asking for help when I need it. If it's, so if I learned that if somebody said, I'm at Target, do you need anything? Instead of just, nope, I'm good. Cause that's our natural reaction to think, to think for a few minutes before I respond, like, is there anything I need? Do we need paper plates or am I really good? And sometimes I, you know, as uncomfortable as it felt, I was like, yes, actually I need this. And then that person may grab it for me and drop it off. Um, which saves me asking my husband to make an extra errand after work to come home. Um, but it's a hard mindset to get into as women to accept help and to. That's what I was going to say the too. idea that that person we wouldn't have automatically asked you say, oh, no, they no, want but to help you. That and we all want to help others. Because they have a gun to their head. Like they genuinely asked a question because they want to help. They want to be able to give something. And as you mentioned before, help looks mm-hmm. so different. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe I can't donate hundreds of dollars, but can I send a card? Can I ask when I'm at Target, do you need me to pick something up? In whatever way that is. This is something that sparked mm-hmm. my interest Absolutely. after you and I had our one-on-one talk and really began to think about what what I want to leave as a legacy and what my story looks like and what other people's stories look like. And one thing that I can only imagine is tough in this moment and maybe going forward is you thinking, do I always need to be defined as the woman who had brain cancer? Is that what I'm known for? Do you struggle with that? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't struggle so much with that being like who I am because I feel like in time this show, I hope that in time this all passes and that we go years. I mean, people can go 20 years without regrowth or reoccurrence of brain cancer. Um, and so I hope that we find a new normal and that we get back on track to a normal life and not this life, you know? But also accepting that this is part of who I am and this is part of my journey. Um, I have always wanted to write a book. I've wanted to do that for many, many years. But to write a book, you need a topic, right? And so um, my topic was always going to be on co-parenting with not only one, but two very difficult people to co-parent with because my husband and I have a blended family We each had a two-year-old when we met and we have walked a difficult journey through our marriage 
raising our first two children for many years. Now they're, a lo- they're, you know, junior, senior in high school, they're older, it's better. It's, you know, whatever, it's kind of behind us. But that was always like my, I feel like this has been such a huge experience and part of our life and that I've gone through so much with it that I could really, I've learned a lot, but I could never imagine going back and reliving it while, while telling it or retelling it. And so I kind of knew in the back of my head that that book would never get written Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. once you get through the muck, it's like, oh, I really want to go back and stir it up again. Once this journey started and it had a positive twist on it, and even though it's a hard thing and it's a, you know, cancer is a negative connotation word, um, I... I truly believe, and I've started writing now, so I've got a couple chapters in and I've started sharing, you know, and I've shared on podcasts and stuff, but this feels like a story I can share that might help somebody in a way that's positive. Well, opening, do you know what I'm trying to say? I, but while being vulnerable, but not having it be so terrible and such a terrible story to tell. And so, um, I don't always want to be known as, oh, she had cancer, However, this is part of my journey and I feel like this will affect us forever. And so I hope that we can continue to share what we went through, but then what did we do with it after? And we don't know what that is yet, but I hope that we, that, and when I say we, I mean my family and I, that we do something after with it. And I don't know exactly what that and is yet. The, yeah. There's, but the totally, after is what I'm looking forward to. There's a very big difference. And I've you expressed I mean? this. Does that make sense uh, on the podcast <laughs> and with my clients too, that it isn't an icky feeling sometimes like you're sharing this real and raw and vulnerable truth about yourself. But I, I have to believe, and I know from when I listen to other people's stories, there's a very big difference in sharing and being vulnerable in an effort to know that you're sharing that to let somebody else know that they're not alone or to help somebody. There's a very different intention in that than sharing Mm -hmm. to get sympathy back or to have back. You're not asking for that. You're simply saying, I hear you. I see you. You're not alone because you're fortunate that you have an amazing support system. Mm -hmm. And even so, if you do, if you, are battling something, whatever it is, the people who really fully understand that are the ones that have walked a similar path. So to have that community is so important for people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it might be, you know, reading a book or listening to a podcast or reaching out to somebody I've got, um, I'm in a couple of groups on Facebook and I try to be interactive and I try to offer hope. If somebody's just found out, um, one of the things I share with people who just gotten the cancer diagnosis of any sort, any cancer is, or any diagnosis of anything, it, the worst part for, uh, for me and I think for so many is the unknown, the unknown and the unplanned. And once you have a diagnosis and you know what it is and you know what you're dealing with and you know what the treatment plan is and okay, this is what we're going to do. It all seems like doable, but when you're in that area of the unknown. And so I try to catch those people in some of these groups that I'm in who say, I just found out this 
And I, and rather it's just, sometimes it fits to write a comment. Sometimes it's a private message, but to say, I just want to share with you that this time that you're in right now, I feel like is the absolute worst time. It's, it's can only go up from here. I promise you, because that unknown is the worst because you just don't know what's coming. And then once, you know, so you just go one foot in front of the other one day at a time. And once you know, and once you have a plan. And so if that little message can just give peace, even for 10 minutes or, you know, anything like that, um, then there's purpose in it. You know, there's purpose in me understanding what somebody else may be Are going you? through. No, um, I, I, that, and that's just it. Like you said, yeah. like that's <laughs> just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> there's purpose in that plain and simple. And that's what you give back to so many when you share mm-hmm. and, and truly when yeah. you share openly and honestly, Jenny, I know that people are going to want to mm-hmm. listen to your podcast, are going to want yeah. to follow your story, cheer you on, or they know they've experienced this or maybe have someone in their life that does too. If somebody is wanting to find you, talk to you, follow you, in what ways can they go about doing that? Sure. Um, I'm always open to you sending me an email. You can email me at stephasstrong at gmail.com. My last name is Stephas. It's S-T-E-F-F-E-S strong at gmail.com. My podcast is available um, all the same places that yours is, Megan. So Apple Podcasts or Anchor, however they listen to their podcasts. The name of that is Grace, Gratitude, and Perseverance. And that's, again, some of my story. I kind of do updates on there, but I also have stories from other people who have walked totally different paths, um, but really done so with a lot of grace and they've persevered in a great way. Um, You can find me on Facebook. I'm under Jenny Troy, which is my husband's name, Stephas, or Stephas Strong on Instagram. And they can always reach out to you, obviously, too, and and you can share with them. how to get a hold of me, but I'm always open to meeting new people and, um, and just listening. Well, this I love, I've learned interview. to be quiet and to listen. I mean, we would be we talked a lot a really right now in the last hour, but... <laughs> sitting in silence, <laughs> but I'm learning that skill as well to just be quiet sometimes and listen. And sometimes that's all people need is just somebody to hear their story. And some people don't want to share it openly and out there with everybody. But just if, if you just listen to somebody's story, sometimes and give them that validation, that can be huge be as well. And, and, and under to connect and understand all of us that are so, poor, even if we don't want to yeah, share it, like absolutely deep down, we long yeah. for that. Jenny, every podcast. Oh, first mm-hmm. of all, too, before I get absolutely. into the last questions, All of Jenny's information is in the show notes with links to everything. So if you guys are wanting um, that and couldn't write that down, make sure you check those show notes out because we'll um, give her all those shout outs and everything so you can connect easily with her. But every podcast episode ends with a few questions and you're no exception to that rule as always. The first question that I always like to know is, (laughs) <laughs> what is the very first thing that you do for you because as a mom that's usually like several hours later in the day but yeah 
Right. Um, This might sound super simple and kind of silly, but not only in everybody's life, but in anybody who's battling anything, especially with the brain, hydration is super important. So I always make sure that when I get up, the first thing I focus on is drinking one bottle of water. Um, It's so easy not to drink enough water. And it's been... um, something I've worked on long before I even knew I had brain cancer, but with after the diagnosis, hydration is so, so, so important. So um, the first thing I do is crack open a bottle of water or fill up my water bottle. And the the goal is to get that down before I get the kids going with breakfast or before I throw a load of laundry in or whatever. It's always to have one bottle of water to start the day. And it's amazing how good you feel because it, you've slept all night and haven't drank. And so your body is dehydrated. Water so, is so crazy. It's definitely the one my thing. simple that thing is for me in the morning. You're all <laughs> for so many things. It's like you have a headache, drink water. You're tired, drink water. You're hungry, drink yes. water. There's so many things. It's like just drink water. It's so simple. My son hurt his ankle yesterday, jumping so you, off too many see, steps. And I was like, so you are going to need to make sure you hydrate this. over the next few days. <laughs> Jenny, what would you say I is do. your super weapon? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, probably my mindset. Um, I think that, in, and it's taken years of working on it, um, I think anybody can do it. I think it's focusing on the good. Um, If it doesn't matter in five years, don't spend five minutes on it. Now, I'm totally guilty of spending way more than five minutes on something that is not going to matter in five years. However, if you can keep that in check so that if my husband does something that really frustrates me, I don't give him the silent treatment for three whole days but rather, okay, is this a hint? Is this actually something he did that upset you? Or is this you dealing with something else? Um, just really asking myself the questions and going through the motions and keeping my mindset in check. Um, if it is really a struggle and I can't get out of it, I know that I can blare some good 80s or 90s music on Alexa and, um, and it will help. You know, dancing in my kitchen whether I'm alone or with my family will always help turn my mood around pretty quickly. So just knowing kind of what your triggers are or knowing what my triggers are and knowing that I can stop and ask myself, like, what is your problem right now? What are you doing? And why are you so grumpy? You don't know, have a bottle of water, (laughs) like figure it out because the people that I live with don't want to walk on eggshells for the rest of the night. Um, And I think the fact that I've learn that. And then I, I work on it. I've, I don't think it's ever mastered. I don't know that any, if somebody can master it, that's awesome. I think it's just knowing that that's part of my lifestyle. Um, and that I will fail and I'll have nights where I just can't snap out of it. But if I can, then it makes a whole better day and night and lifestyle for all of us living within these walls and me too. It makes life easier when I'm joy and happiness are what we all want to feel. And so, um, Sometimes I think you see those memes that say, you choose happiness, you know, you choose how to run the day, not if the day runs you. And sometimes we read those and we're like, how though? Because this morning, this, this, and this happened, but it truly is just keeping the, just keep working on controlling your mind and your thoughts. 
And you're and right. You know, we don't master it. And sometimes it's so defeating. Work on it. But just sometimes being aware, like you said, of, okay, I'm having a really bad day. I'm going to sit in my shit for the day. I'm going to do, but tomorrow, what can I actively do so it's not that way? The last question always is, what does mm-hmm. being fierce mean for to sure. you? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it is continuing for me. I think it's continuing and not getting knocked down so hard. You know, um, how do I explain this? When I feel knocked down, and I'm going to feel knocked down again, even after chemo treatments are done. There, We just all have those days that we feel knocked down completely. But I think that if you can, even if you sit in your shit for that day, because sometimes, let's admit, we're all in those days where we're like, nope, this is where I want to sit. <laughs> I don't even want to get up out of this. But um, I think being fierce is tackling your shit, tackling it, going after it, figuring it out, and then moving forward every day. Don't sit in it for too long. And if you can conquer each day and you can do so and find the joy and the happiness in little moments of the day, um, you don't have to be on a sandy beach. You don't have to be on a vacation. You don't have to be swimming in pools of money. You don't have to be doing anything big and grandiose to make a really beautiful life. Um, And so I think being fierce is just taking on what comes at you, but doing so in remembering that this is my one chance. This is my one go round. This is my one life. And I want to make sure that at the end, I'm like, yeah, it got tough, but man, it was fun. We had fun. We laughed. We played a lot of board games or, you know, whatever it is. And um, gosh, what a great life. And I hope that others would say the same at the end of my life. Hopefully it's a very long one. People will go, you know, she lived. She mm, had fun. So beautiful. She laughed. She smiled. Thank you. She loved. Thank you for sharing she was fierce. that and that's everything. That and Jenny, me. I truly meant when I said it was yes, a joy and a thank privilege you. that we crossed paths in the way that we did and that I was able to speak with you one-on-one and more so truly that you shared this with, with the fit and fierce listeners. Cause that's your mindset, your everything, your fierceness. It is exactly what we all need to be and be like and embody. So thank you so much for setting that path out for each and every one of us. Thank you so much for listening to the fit and fierce podcast. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and download so you never miss an episode and drop me a rating and review. It's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way. See you next time.